welcome to the 517 Life Podcast, a ministry of The Exchange. I'm Heather May, joined by Carrie Puckett and Tracy Lee. Today, we're finishing up the three-part series where you get to know the host of the podcast, and today you'll get to hear all about Carrie Puckett. In this episode, Carrie shares about meeting and marrying her high school sweetheart, what it was like being a medical school spouse, and how God changed the course of her vocation. We also spent time talking about the importance of counseling and the difference counseling has made in our own lives. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with our co-host, Carrie Puckett. I am super excited and have been looking forward to this interview today because we're interviewing our very own Carrie Pocket. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Good. Okay. <laughs> this is the reason why. Like, Carrie, we've been doing this podcast for a while. I've known you for the better part of a year, known who you were. But getting to know somebody, I'm really excited about this because you're so quiet and you're always listening. Like, I don't know what she thinks about you and me, Heather, because we are constantly like, do, 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 do. I know. <laughs> also, the last episode that we recorded with Carrie, with the other Carrie, with, with the C, mm-hmm. you were sick. I was and sick. And we for the missed Carrie episode. your questions. Like, when we got done <sighs> yes. with that, it was like there was this weird void that we didn't have the Carrie questions. And yeah. you always have to submit great a questions. couple, but we did ask. Yeah, we questions. did ask those questions, <laughs> but it wasn't the same and it didn't wasn't. sound as intelligent when we oh, were doing it. Uh, <laughs> that is have I just been described as intelligent? Yes. Y'all yeah, I should tell that? my husband that he doesn't think I'm ignorant, but he's just super intelligent. Well, he's so. like doctor level and med yeah. school intelligent. He's like on a different level. It is so. a different level. Yes, <laughs> we like your husband too. He was on a. Uh, advisory board about the church and opening up and he had such good things to say i like stats like when it talked about people and what they're doing and he's like okay so i've got a grid that i made that does all this and i'm like oh i like the numbers (laughs) yeah statistics yeah Mm -hmm. i don't i'm not no i have friends (laughs) that took that class in college i'm like can i have the easy math please (laughs) i just had a, a research class in grad school and we had stats week and at the beginning of Stats Week, our professor showed us a Shark Tank, a Shark Week video to be like, this is what Stats Week is going to be like. Oh, and I was like, that's nice. And then I asked him, are we going to be tested on stats? And he said, no, you're not. So I checked out for Stats Week. <laughs> so that is not my forte at all. Well, I want you to start from the beginning and tell us everything about you. Every single detail. Don't leave anything out. You grew up. In the same house forever? Same town? Or did you move around growing up? I grew up in Brandon. However, (laughs) I was not even in the Brandon city limits. I grew up in the boondocks of Rankin County. Had a Brandon address, but it wasn't in the city limits. So you're not really from Brandon if you never lived in Crossgates, am I right? (laughs) So, of course, I was born into Crossgates, and then we moved into the boondocks. Tell us about your family. Yeah. I have parents and one sister. And two nieces who are my little besties. And I have my husband, Austin. And we have our two fur babies, um, Hattie and Penny, who were adopted from the animal shelter. And that's my family. (laughs) So how did you and Austin meet? Austin and I met in high school. I we grew up going to Brandon school like the Brandon schools our entire lives but we never knew who each other were until like late high school somehow cuz he was a grade below me in high school so 
it was really crazy because the only reason I met him was because I had a study hall block my junior year of high school. And the study hall teacher said, I'm not babysitting y'all all year. Y'all need to find somewhere else to be. Oh. And so I was like, okay, well, last year at school, I had a favorite teacher whose name was Mr. Porter. So I went and located where Mr. Porter was for that block. And I said, and I walked into his class, Mr. Porter was the Spanish teacher. And this was like day one of Spanish class for the Spanish one students for that year. And I just start speaking Spanish to him. And he speaks Spanish back. It was a bunch of nothingness, you know, I think... (laughs) I told him what my phone number was or something random, but it sounded cool to these Spanish one kids who didn't know any Spanish yet. (laughs) And then I asked him in English, could I please be his teacher's aide because I needed somewhere to be and he was my favorite teacher. So he said, okay, I could camp out in his classroom. And Austin was in that class. So I was his teacher's aide for his Spanish one class. So Austin ended up dating the teacher's aide. Well, we didn't date that school year. So by the time we started dating, I was no longer his teacher's I was trying so hard to make this into a Lifetime movie. (laughs) (laughs) Is this a Hallmark movie? I know. It totally went Hallmark. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I was dating somebody else that school year, but we got to be acquaintances that year. And then, of course, I went through a, a bad breakup, as high schoolers tend to do. And so when I would... When the bell would ring, I would walk out of the classroom with Austin and hide behind him just in case my ex would walk by. And so and so Austin said he knew if I was on the ins or outs with that ex-boyfriend based on if I chose to hide behind him or not (laughs) when we walked out of the class. So, yeah, then we didn't start dating until my senior year of high school the next year. And we've been together ever since. Your high school sweethearts. Yeah, I guess so. But I was like about to graduate by the time we started dating. So <laughs> I guess I was his cool college girlfriend while he finished up his yeah. senior year of high school. <laughs> More like it. But we dated long distance for five years all the way through college. Okay, we got to talk about yeah, that. Because you and I have talked about that before back when, I guess, whenever yeah, we were doing marriage counseling. Yeah, you, you and guys. Bryant did our premarital counseling And I got to course. hear your story. And I still am amazed. That's a long time to do a long distance relationship. Well, I mean, it was good. I, I liked it a lot because... You he, both spoke favorably of it. Yeah. Well, we're both pretty independent people. and. We weren't like like hundreds of miles. Well, I don't know math how far Starkville is from Hattiesburg. But I went to Southern Miss and he went to Mississippi State. So our first year of dating, he was still in high school. But after that, we were just at separate colleges in the same state. So we would only see each other on assorted weekends. And then every summer during college, I would go out of state For the first summer, it was like a mission trip in Oklahoma. And the second summer, I went and lived in New York working for a theater company. And then two summers after that, I lived in Maine working for a theater company. So we never had summers together either. I remember counting and the longest we went without seeing each other was like, 96 or days or something like that. (laughs) I counted that time. (laughs) So, but it was good because I feel like if we had dated for that long and we lived in the same place, like we were both Christians and 
wanted to remain abstinent until marriage and that kind of stuff. And we were committed to that in our relationship. And I just think it would have been difficult to meet that goal if we had been around each other 24-7. Because I had seen that happen with like people we were friends with that uh you know if they were just together all the dang time it just mm, <laughs> it didn't go the way i wanted our relationship to go and so i guess it prepared you for med, med school yeah. oh yeah <laughs> okay. the fact that when he's fin- finishing med school and you're beginning school so you guys are used to this seeing each other yeah so like i got irritated because when he graduated from mississippi state he went straight to medical school in jackson and I had moved back home to Mississippi from Maine and got a job in Jackson. So then when he graduated and started med school, we wanted to get be, get married and be married while he was in med school. And people were like, oh, that's going to be so hard to be married to a medical student. And Austin had seen some documentary that followed these medical students through their medical school journey. And all of the ones who had been married were divorced by the end of this documentary and all this stuff. And that just wasn't going to be an option for us. That's what we chose to believe and everything. So um, and so I think the long distance also made it a lot easier when he was really busy with med school all the time and now he's in residency. So equally or more busy than medical school was. And I told the people who were skeptical about it, like, Oh, it's going to be so hard. I was like, well, you know what? We get to breathe the same air every day in the same room. Mm -hmm. That's a huge improvement from, you know, the last five years, never seeing each other. (laughs) So I get to see him every day. That's a big improvement. Okay, so I didn't know you were in New York with a theater company. Yeah, well, New York State. I've actually <laughs> never been to New York City. <laughs> well, that's still New York. Well, so. I, I worked for a theater company in Western New York State. I was just their marketing intern for summer, and that was such a neat experience. Yeah. There were, uh, I mean, theater draws a lot of really unique individuals. You know, they're all very eccentric and that kind of thing, and... um outgoing and all the artsy stuff so they were just really interesting people and what was so strange to me was well they liked me and I guess I was wearing I remember I was wearing like a bracelet that had a cross on it and I wasn't really thinking about it it was just a bracelet to me I wasn't (laughs) but somebody pointed at it they're like oh I see that you must be a Christian and I was like oh yeah, I, I am a Christian. I, I am wearing that bracelet, aren't I? And and they asked me about my faith. And I was just, and I was like, well, and I kind of told them about my faith. And they're like, that's so interesting. And all summer, our intern house was like party central for the summer. So people would come and they'd be partying on the first floor and in the basement. And I lived on the third floor so I could hang out with them until I was tired of it. And I could go up to my third floor hidey hole and go to sleep. But um, they would just be, you know, they had imbibed a little and I'd be visiting with them and they'd be like, wow, that is so neat about like asking me about my faith. And, and they were just very curious. And I remember somebody said, I've never met a real Christian before. 
And I assume what they meant by that is somebody who is not like hateful mm-hmm. or judgmental because I would still hang out with them and, you know, I wasn't judging them for whatever was going on in that house and everything. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was a neat experience. So wow. I liked my summer there. Was Maine beautiful? Oh my gosh. It's called vacation land for a reason. I loved Maine. I would go back in a heartbeat. I actually was offered an opportunity to get a full-time job up there while I was up there, but I chose not to accept it because I wanted to come home and marry Austin because I loved him. But um, yeah, if not for Austin, there's a chance I might still be up there because it was amazing. (laughs) Highly recommend it for your vacation bucket list. (laughs) I worked for a theater company in development up there. And so that is what got me into the fundraising Mm -hmm. realm. And so when I got back to Mississippi, that experience had me qualified enough to start working for the nonprofit sector in fundraising. So that's what I did for the last five years until I started grad school. All right, I'm going to go off topic here or off script. When you were with theater people, like in that lifestyle, which is different than, like you said, they're eccentric. They do this, do different things. They're just, they're actors, they're performers. That's what they do. I think a little bit of that is in all of us. But what advice can you give to people of faith about reaching out to that community? Because I think sometimes we look at communities that, believe differently than we do or embrace different lifestyles and we're like no 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 we can't be a part of it but just like you said you had a real life experience with somebody who's like oh I've never met a real Christian before so how can we reach out what do we need to do better well that is a great question (laughs) that I don't know if I really know the answer to but my thing was I just was friends with them and loved them, but didn't participate in things that I did not want to participate in as a Christian. And they didn't seem to care that I wasn't participating in those things, but they noticed. Yeah. You know, but you didn't make a big deal about it. Like, no, I can't be a part of this guys. No, no, I was all up in it minus participation, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I remember, and I don't know if this is appropriate for this podcast, but I remember the basement of our, New York house was where the beer pong table was set up and um, I had a designated drinker (laughs) so I could still participate (laughs) but I didn't have to drink the beverage is so they were like Carrie we want you to get to play come on I'll be your drinker so okay so take a little ping pong ching (laughs) and I did not have to imbibe with them but they let me participate so I need a drinker that's a new one I love that so much but what a great I mean Carrie come on that's such that's ingenious and how to still be with people. Just be their friend. It's so be in the world, not of it. Like that's a perfect picture. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with, I don't personally think that drinking is a sin. Drunkenness. Right. Yeah. But so, I mean, it didn't freak me out being around it, given they were going a little over the edge (laughs) every (laughs) single day, but it's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just their friend. I just hung out with them. I loved those people. They were so interesting and just people love to be known and people love, this is going to sound weird, but people love to talk about themselves. And so if you just strike up a conversation with somebody, I mean, 
maybe not everybody. Heather's like, I don't like talking about myself, <laughs> shaking her head over there. But okay, maybe actor people love talking about themselves. <laughs> That's who they were. Or but um, so just asking people about their lives and like genuinely being interested in them as a person. You got to build relationship before you can ever broach the topic of here's what I believe and I want you to believe it too. Because you cannot argue somebody into faith. Yeah. Like, honestly, I don't know a lot about apologetics, so I can't speak on that at all. But I do know that, I mean, I guess never say never, but it does not, from my experience, it does not work to try to talk somebody into Christianity. Really? I would think so by Facebook. (laughs) Social media, a great gauge of that, how you can argue your point and win. No? Okay. Just kidding. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I I mean, not that anybody that I ever talked with in the theater came to the faith. Yeah. But you don't know. You planted a seed. You did your part. You did your yeah. part. You well, never know. And that's one thing, I think, about our faith journey, that sometimes we don't get the gist of it. Whatever role we play in somebody's salvation could be big or small. Mm-hmm. But we all play a role. If you're believers, you're constantly supposed to be, you know, showing the love of Christ in whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like. And when the Holy Spirit starts working on that person, you don't know what he's going to pull to mind or what person he's going to pop in your mind. Like, That's remember right. this, or remember this, this was me loving you through this person. Yeah. You just never know what your role is, which is why mm-hmm. there is no role that's mm-hmm. too big or too small. And I think one of my roles that summer was just to let them know that not all Christians were these terrible, horrible, bigoted, hateful people, you know, so because if that's all you see, then that's what you're going to think it is. So Mm. 2020 could use some of those people. (laughs) Right. Like you. Oh, my gosh. Someone asked me or someone throughout the question today. Um. And somebody on their story is like, what's something that you're celebrating today? And I thought the fact that I did not respond on social media, (laughs) somebody that was, I'm celebrating that, that Holy Spirit, self-control in me that took everything I had to obey. I'm celebrating that today. Every little bit, Mm -hmm. every little thing you can hold on to. I did the same thing. I've written some brilliant responses, <laughs> right? <laughs> the Lord's like, delete it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just obedience and everything. And in the small things and the big things mm-hmm. is key. So what has it been like? I know we joked about med school and people telling you how hard it would be. What What is it like? Because I, I believe, if I remember correctly, you started a blog during that time to kind of help people know what it's like. What? What would you say it's like being married to somebody in medical school? Well, Austin makes it so easy, first of all. And I did. I've blogged for like a few months just because I needed like an outlet (laughs) for a little while. I don't really do it anymore. But I did write a blog about my life as a med school spouse that a lot of people thought was interesting. So I'm trying to remember what it even said. We'll have to link to it. <laughs> just kidding. I just want to point something out that every time you talk about Austin, like Carrie's got these cute little dimples and it's just like they just dimple even more and you get this little pink in your cheeks. Like Aww. you're so smitten with your husband. Which oh, I for think sure. So and He's yesterday was his birthday, if uh-huh. I'm right. And you posted a picture on your yep. Instagram 
That was the cutest of you looking at him. Yeah. Well, it was his birthday, so he needed to be the focus of the picture. (laughs) (laughs) But the way that you were looking at him, such a cute picture. He's pretty great, you guys. But and something I said in that blog post was that everybody's experience as a spouse of medical student is going to be different because... And I mean, this doesn't just go for medical school, but, you know, there's a lot of types of professional schools or just jobs that are very, uh, take up a lot of your spouse's time that could be challenging. Um, But for one, we don't have any human kids. And there's some people who are doing the med school thing with human kids. And I'm just like, I don't know how y'all do it, because I'd probably die. But (laughs) for us, I mean, he was just very busy and that's why I'm so glad I'm a kind of an independent person and I'm an introvert so I don't need to be around him or anybody like all the time I need my recharge time but he just graduated medical school so I'm kind of rewinding in my mind to what that time was like because it really went by so fast like we've been married over four years now it seems like we just got married like apparently I'm acting like a newlywed according to Tracy (laughs) So, um, but hmm. well, the first two years of medical school were the book work. So he read a lot and he studied a lot and he had classes a lot. And there was one semester that he had class called gross anatomy, which is where you dissect cadavers <laughs> in layman's that's why it's called gross yeah. <laughs> uh, and I remember he would have to go up there at like 11 o'clock at night to hang out with the cadavers and study their innards for his quiz the next day and and all of the things and I'm so thankful that there are people in this world I that do. that are thrilled with those kind of things I mean, and learning he, about those things he wasn't super thrilled but but um, about, you know, that class was probably his hardest class in medical school. And the first semester of medical school is the hardest part of the whole entire thing. So um, so he studied a lot. I remember there was one night he had a he had like eight tests in a row his second year of med school, like day after day and a couple of days had two tests. And it got to the last test and he hadn't had time to study for it because he was busy studying for his other seven tests. So he stayed up for hours into the night drinking coffee and studied like 2000 slides in one night or something crazy like that. It made an A on the test. What even? (laughs) That's the kind of doctor you want. Right. Right? (laughs) And then he had to, you have to take these exams called the step exams. And step one is really important because your grade impacts your residency application. So, He studied for step one, and if you don't pass, you cannot complete med school. And you have, like, two or three chances to pass. So if you don't pass the first time, you can't continue in med school until you do pass. So you could, like, either go through two, two years of med school and be out those two years if you can't pass this exam, or, you know, it could delay you. So it's a really big deal. And the score that you make is very important for your residency application. So it's very high stakes. And I'm pretty sure he took it on our anniversary. <laughs> like our two-year anniversary. So um, 
I remember we were driving to Mobile because he had to take it at the Mobile testing site. And we were like, we're just going to make it a beach trip. So we're going to go take get You'll take the step and then we'll go to the beach. So we were in the car on the way to Mobile and I was quizzing him from his step one study book. And I had flipped to a random page and asked him a random question that I deduced from this table on this page. And he's like, the answer is, and he told me the correct answer. And he said, and you are on page number 76. What? (laughs) He had memorized the step one textbook. It was like an inch thick. Oh my my gosh. So clearly he passed the step exam the first time. (laughs) I have to spell my name out loud, like to make sure that I get it right. And I've left letters out before. And your husband memorized a whole textbook. Yeah. Unbelievable. So I don't know that any of us are on his level. No. Uh-uh. Carrie. Nope. <laughs> no, you he's, said he's that. really smart, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, so that was the first two years. And the second two years are rotations where you're actually working with patients. And so that's really where you get a taste of what residency will be like because um, I remember there were several days that he would have to be, he would have to do pre-pre-rounds which is rounding not only before the attendings, but before the residents get there. So he had to be there at like 530 in the morning or whatever. So you got used to him leaving at five five o'clock in the morning and getting home late. (laughs) So, I mean, I don't know. It was really easy for some reason for me because I wasn't having to study 2000 slides a night and stuff. I was just going to work. So and I had my own stuff like I was working in fundraising at the time and that was stressful. And I I was promoted twice in three years or something at my first three years at that organization which was awesome because thank you to the Lord thanks to the Lord for providing for us in that season because I mean I was the sugar mama I guess you could say (laughs) so I took care of him but I told y'all one time off to the side of this podcast that uh, I think it was after the Jill Ford podcast and she had been talking about respecting your man and stuff and so because during medical school I was the one bringing home the bacon and that was kind of important to me as a type three I felt very successful to be supporting for my family financially whereas he was just ringing up all this med school debt which you know it's a long-term investment you get it back but they don't feel like it whenever they're just piling up on the side it's like let's pretend that's not there so um I remember one day I don't even know why what led up to this you know when you get into an argument you never remember why the argument started you just remember the fallout (laughs) it seems to be the case with us sometimes but I remember I'm like a very controlling person which y'all may not know because I don't have to control y'all but (laughs) within my little bubble of my own life I can be pretty controlling so um I remember saying something to him one day I don't know what led up to this, but I remember sticking my finger in his face and in this tone of voice saying something to the effect of, I run our lives. Finger in face. Like, like I will run. I run our lives. You clearly don't run our lives because you're just doing school and I pay the bills and I bring home the bacon to pay the bills with. And like, I was just like, that's that. All of that was said in this one, I run our lives. I don't even know what I was talking about. But so, I mean, I mean. So there was some stress. 
There is some stress. <laughs> it's really hard to remember now. <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie, but I'm, I'm kind of scared of you now. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't know. Um, so there was, I definitely had a lot of stress to do with my job. So I guess he just made it so easy on like a marriage side of things because he was just doing his thing and I was doing my thing and we'd meet up in the middle when we could and touch base and go back to our our ministries of sorts. <laughs> and you're in grad school. I'm in grad school. To be a counselor. To be a counselor. What in the world? Have you always <laughs> wanted to do that or is this just... No. Well, I've, I've had a really weird journey as far as finding what I want to do in life because when I was in high school I didn't know what I wanted to do and I started to do theater when I was in high school and by the time I graduated I really really liked theater but I couldn't think of anything else that I might like to do (laughs) so I just went to college and got a theater degree in performance but halfway through college I was like no, I don't want to be an actor because actors have to audition and I hate auditioning and I don't want to have to move all over the country at all times and never know where my next job is and and all the things. And I want to stay home in Mary Austin. <laughs> so I decided to kind of shift my career in the arts administration direction. And it was really weird how that thought even came into my head because I was hanging out with some of my theater friends and it was this party and, you know, my friends were imbibing and such. <laughs> and one of my friends whose birthday it was, was like, Carrie, you would do so good in arts administration. And I was like, whoa, okay. Because she personally was doing arts administration a little bit. And so I took that as like a serious compliment from somebody who was doing it. So I was like, what does that even mean? So I talked to a couple of my professors who told me, oh, yeah, well, that's like marketing, public relations, administration, development. And I was like, what is that? So one of my and so I call all these conversations that I've had like milestone conversations because each of these conversations led to something else, which led to something else, which got me where I am today. So. Then I had conversations with professors like, well, you need to add a marketing minor and you need to go to the Southeastern Theater Conference job fair and all this stuff so you can get an arts administration internship. And so I got an internship at at the College of Arts and Letters at Southern Miss in their PR office and I added a marketing minor that semester. So... And I did. I went to that job fair at the Southeastern Theater Conference, and that's how I got the job in New York. And so I moved to New York for a summer, and then that was marketing. And I was like, okay, well, I've tried marketing now. I want to see what this development thing is about. So I went to the job fair again the next year and got the job in Maine and um, worked for two summers doing development work. And so I was like, okay, well... This is a thing that you can do not just for theater, but for nonprofit organizations. So I'm going to move home to Mississippi where there's very little theater, but plenty of nonprofit organizations and see what I can do. And so I started working for a nonprofit organization in Mississippi as their grant writer for a year. And I guess they liked me because the next year they promoted me to development director. And then our department head left and I was promoted to department head all within three years. So that was unusual to make that sort of climb in that particular organization that quickly, especially with limited experience. So that's how I got into 
development, but where does counseling come in? <laughs> so working in fundraising, fundraising and development, I keep switching between the two. They're essentially the same thing. They're a little bit different if you want to get technical, but for all intents and purposes, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So um, it was very stressful. I was tasked with, I was given a fundraising goal every year. And once I was the department head, I wasn't give, just given a personal fundraising goal, but I also was given a fundraising goal for my whole team. And it was millions of dollars a year that my team had to raise. And we always did it, but it was really hard work. <laughs> and um, it's just a, a stressful thing, that fundraising stuff. And I just start, I started freaking out. I was like working from home when I was originally a development director, but then when I got promoted, I got an office back at our building, which was great because I hated working from home. Uh, for all you people who are working from home during COVID, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Maybe you like it. I hated it, which is weird. As an introvert, you would think I would have liked it. No, because there's too many distractions. There's laundry that needs to be done and there's dishes that need to be washed and all these things I could be doing other than this stressful work that I don't like to do. So that was just not a good environment <laughs> at times for myself. But um, so I started going to counseling just to deal with all the stress of, you know, not just getting promoted and having more responsibilities, but just not really enjoying what I was doing. And um, it was a great organization doing a lot of great work. And I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to be a part of that. But I was just starting to feel drawn in a different direction. And I didn't know what that was, really. But I would talk to my counselor and just spill out all my guts on how stressful it was. And she would be like, well, you know, you could get a different job. And I was like, no, I can't. My husband's in medical school. I'm the sugar mama. I bring home the bacon. What are you talking about, woman? I can't just get another job. Which, I mean, that probably would have been not the right moment to yeah. do that. But eventually, um, I just started feeling... I, I was helped so much by my experience with my counselor just... I don't even know how to describe it. Just having somebody to listen to you who it is their job to sit and listen to you. Because Austin, he is a great, he's a great listener, but he also is busy. And he has a certain capacity for like, okay, I've hit my limit on how much I can listen to this particular topic. Right. I love you, but can we table this and talk about it later? <laughs> Which is great, but... He was my husband could not also be my counselor. <laughs> and so just to have somebody whose job it was to listen to you and to and she validated like anybody would have a hard time with what you were having to do and that kind of stuff. And just making me feel like I wasn't uh, crazy somehow. I don't like using the word crazy, but, you know, but I think we all feel that way. And I love that you said that because that is such a big part of going and talking to somebody is that your feelings are validated, you know, and you don't feel like you're crazy or all mm -hmm. alone or you should have it all together. So, and I think that we've all, I mean, I think it's okay to say we all have been to counseling at this Absolutely. table mm -hmm. and highly suggest it mm -hmm. to do it, to help kind of process stuff because sometimes you need that validation or you need a different perspective mm -hmm. to get yourself on. I think that this is a really good conversation to have mm -hmm. right now, especially with all that 2020 
has brought there were a lot of people who were anxious before and had a lot we had a lot on our plates before 2020 and then all the events of 2020 and I just think that it's got to be something that we talk about and and everybody needs like you said your spouse can't always do that for you Mm -hmm. and then what about people who don't have a spouse your dog can't do it either. Your dog can't do it. <laughs> That's right. Your dog can provide all the cuddles and all the warm fuzzies, but they yeah. can't talk back to you. I mean, eventually you're going to be pouring your heart out and they're going to need to lick their nether region. It's just <laughs> part of it. And that doesn't help <laughs> your mental health when that happens. Great. You'd rather lick your butt than tell me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes. So I think if, you know, you go see a counselor, there's a very slim chance of that happening. <laughs> happening yeah that'd be uh, probably against the code of ethics but but yeah I just had such a great experience in my counseling experience like helping me through that hard season of my life that when I started feeling drawn in a different direction that was the direction I was being drawn toward and I think I had had it in the back of my mind for decades like huh you know if I ever went back to college and didn't do theater since clearly that was not a waste but you know I'm not actively using that degree what would what else would I have done and I think maybe I would have wanted to be a counselor and kind of gone in that direction so and I don't know I just love listening to people (laughs) (laughs) I like hearing people's stories and I don't know I guess in fundraising you had to make friends with the people with the big checkbooks and stuff (laughs) as crude as it is to say it that way but um I don't know. I like to think I'm good at small talk and stuff, which is always important for a new relationship, <laughs> which um, I, I have learned very little about counseling so far. I'm on the first week of my second semester in counseling school, so I don't know a lot about it yet. But I I just do know that I want to be able to help people like I was helped. And a lot of people have been through much tougher stuff than I've been through. Like I've had a pretty cushy life I must say not a lot of bad stuff has happened to me but there are people who have been to hell and back through no fault of their own just get hammered in this life and they need people to help them process that and I've been learning recently about the brain and kind of the neurological components to trauma and just early childhood experiences or stress or all the things and it's it's like a biological impact a lot of times and so like you hear people say well I'm a Christian God can fix me I don't need to go to counseling well if you had cancer would you get treated for your cancer yeah. I mean God gave us doctors and counselors to help us when we need that kind of help. And I think almost everybody, if not everybody is going to go through a season where they could use the help of a counselor. And God absolutely has brought and is bringing healing to me through my counselor. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a, that's something that we mistake. We, we want God to, to heal us, but we want us, we want him to do it our way, right? Right. Our way, our time, and don't let it hurt me or cost me anything. But, what I've learned is you don't get healthy without putting in the work. And that sounds so cliche to say, but as long as you're afraid of feeling negative emotions and being willing to go to the root of the things that are coming out of you, Mm -hmm. then you're just going to repeat the same patterns. And that's something that I've learned in my own life. I've realized that 
I can't be afraid of negative emotions. If there's, I've learned to recognize when something makes me like feel a certain kind of way or makes me flinch or makes me feel a little bit of sad, my desire and what I prefer is to just whoop, brush right on past that, go eat some Oreos and watch some Netflix and call it done. And instead, I've got to be willing to go, God, search me, see if there's any wicked way in me. Because here's the thing, if it doesn't come out, then it's going to come out somewhere. Yeah. All right. I have to know now that you're going to school to be a counselor, do you psychoanalyze people when they I was going to ask that same thing just yeah. a minute ago. <laughs> See, I knew it. Every time you meet a hairdresser, every time I meet somebody that does like makeup, I'm always, oh God, what are they thinking about my hair? <laughs> you know, like I always wonder. So now forever with Carrie, I'm going to be like, no, am I crazy? Well, <laughs> I, I don't think I will do that, you know, once I actually learn more. Yeah. But I ju- the only reason I say yes right now is because in the summer term I just finished, we had psychopathology class where we went through the DSM-5 and learned about all of the, which is the diagnostic diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders. Okay. So I went through all the different um, disorders that can be and had to learn about them. So I was just Which talking. one does Tracy have? <laughs> oh, That's I don't you know. To know. I don't know enough about you. <laughs> About like which one do you know about Heather? We could talk about (laughs) Heather too. Well, well, I just remember I was talking to my cousin the other day about something, and she's telling me some story about someone she had an interaction with, and she laughed at me because I said, "What a narcissist!" (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I mean, it's tempting, especially. Not, I mean, not as much for other people as for yourself, you know, because you know yourself better than other people and you have to meet a certain number of diagnostic criteria to qualify for these disorders. So I don't usually know people well enough to know if they fit a diagnosis. And even if you fit a diagnosis, I mean, I I don't like over pathologizing people. You know, because life is just hard and you can't pathologize hey, Carrie. Hey, Carrie. life. We're going to have to go back to speaking English here. Yeah. <laughs> Tracy and I are a little bit lost. I don't like. I don't like. Putting people in a box. Putting people in a box. <laughs> like if you are struggling, Good. that does not mean you have some kind of a disorder. And even yeah. if you do, that doesn't mean you're crazy. It means you, know. you could just be having a day. Could just be having a day. <laughs> but it also probably means you should talk to somebody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not hold it yeah. in yeah. like we yeah. like to do. I'm I fine. I'm fine. Suggest it. Like I can't even tell you how much I endorse that to mm-hmm. go talk to a professional to do it. And you know, we were talking about even budgetary earlier about right. how it's like, oh, I can't afford to do this. But it's almost like you can't afford not to, mm-hmm. to make yourself healthy in your head because we get, we're slammed with images. We're slammed with messages all day long. And if we don't have somebody help us get those voices straight in our head, we're going to be a mess. Yeah. And there are resources out there, like some insurance covers a lot of counseling. Like when I was going, I had great insurance and I'd like a $20 copay per visit. That's all I was responsible for. Or like where I go to school, Reform Theological Seminary, we do discounted counseling because we're students counseling these people. So they know that we're not professionals and we don't really know what we're doing (laughs) yet. And some some counselors who have graduated operate on a sliding scale. So there there are definitely resources, like you're saying, out there. Mm -hmm. And if you need help finding those, let us know. Like we'd love to help. 
connect you with those resources. I did that today with someone who was looking for um, a therapist for a small child and for an adult going through trauma. And so, but no insurance or money was tight. And so there are ways. There are definitely ways. One of the things that I know that you're passionate about is um, ministering to students, specifically middle school students and high school students, I Mm -hmm. guess. I'd love for you to talk about that because not everybody's drawn to love that age group. And when you agree that they can be a hard age group to love sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, here at the exchange, I've been involved in the student life ministry for a while, probably five years or so ish. And when I first started, I thought that I would want to help with the high school girls. Um, And I really wanted to help with students because when I was a student, that was like the hardest season of my life. Personally, I just went through some stuff, you know, teenage stuff, angst and puppy love and heartbreak and all the things. And it was really hard on me. And I probably should have been in counseling then. I remember going to a pediatrician for like a physical for volleyball or something. And my mom told the pediatrician that I've been tired a lot. And the pediatrician took that opportunity to ask me, Oh, do you have any friends? And like all these weird questions, like, like, I guess to determine if I needed counseling. And I started crying because not because I didn't have any friends. I had plenty of friends, but because I guess I rarely cry, but when I do, it's because I'm being vulnerable about something. Um, and the pediatrician recommended counseling. I didn't go because I <laughs> didn't want to <laughs> when I was in high school. I was like, no, thank you. But um, but it was just a really hard time for me. And I made a lot of bad decisions that I wish I wouldn't have made when I was in high school. And in middle school was oddly one of the times I felt closest to God was when I was in middle school, which is bizarre to me. But um, so anyway, I wanted to help out with students and I had helped with students like my summer missions opportunity during college in Oklahoma was at a girl's home. Um, So a bunch of mostly middle school and high school girls who were basically in group foster care. And so I hung out with them all summer long and they were so great and I loved them. So I wanted to help out with students here because it had been a hard time for me and I had had people at church who were Bible study leaders and such that I really looked up to and kind of <laughs> kind of stepped in for me when I needed someone to talk to and stuff. So I wanted to be that for these kids. And so I wound up working more with middle school girls just logistically with the number of leaders we had and stuff. That's just where I was needed. And they are kind of crazy as far as just very, <laughs> here I go, over pathologizing. I almost said very ADHD. <laughs> they probably aren't actually ADHD. They're just middle schoolers. But um, and but they just, I don't even know. I just love them. Those little, little squirts. <laughs> I mean, something, I mean, as a student leader, I think one of the most important things you can do is be their friend. Or, Well, I say be their friend. I mean, if I were their parent, I wouldn't need to just be their friend. But I'm not their parent. That's I'm their right. student leader. Yeah. They and need a friend. so I just befriend them. And 
we have small group breakouts after the big message for student life. And that's where you can really get them talking. And usually we have some questions lined outlined about the message from the night. And my goal is to just get them talking because they've just sat through a message. They don't need to sit through another mini message of me mm-hmm. talking to them about, here's what I did when I was your age and I shouldn't have done that. And you shouldn't either. You know, <laughs> uh, there's that but, theater major. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, um, so I just try to get them talking and if you can get them talking, then I don't know. I feel like they're more likely to come back and to keep learning about Jesus. So there's some kids that, you know, I had never seen before. And if there's ever, uh, and really, I don't pay attention to the guys at youth group. I just hang out with the girls. So I don't even know any of the guys' names. But, like, there could be a new girl, and I'd be like, oh, what's your name? Blah, 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 blah. And, and something about the connection you make with them will keep them coming back. And I'm thinking of a particular girl who started coming like a year or two ago. I'd never seen her before, but we talked for like 10 or 20 minutes that night, the first time she came, and she has been coming ever since. Mm-hmm. Not to say I'm the reason she keeps coming back, of course, but I've seen her take spiritual next steps during that time and get to know Jesus better. And Well, as a parent of a teenager, a teenage girl, she really doesn't care what I have to say. And that's probably not really a hundred percent accurate. I wouldn't say she doesn't care at all, but um, there have been many times she has a mentor and she will listen to that mentor before she listens to me mm-hmm. 10 times out of 10. Oh, yeah. And there've even been times where I can go to the mentor and say, Hey, <laughs> you want to tell her this? Because, because they have that relationship. It's just different because the relationship of a parent and a child is just so different um, that it's so important for our kids to have other adults that are older than them that have lived a little more life that are in, in their life, loving them, investing relationally, because those are the people that they're going to want to come to when they don't f- want to go to their parents. Mm-hmm. Because even though I'm not old, because I'm a parent, it just automatically makes me old, but you're still cool. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever really had kids come to me like outside of a Wednesday night, but I don't know. We've had some good conversations on Wednesday nights and like Collide Weekend and stuff. I had this one girl tell me at Collide Weekend (laughs) this past year, which is like a youth retreat weekend that we participate in. She's like, Miss Carrie, I wish you were my mom. (laughs) I was just like, oh. So no, you don't. Like, <laughs> that's sweet, but I'm not trying to have kids right now. So, no. um, so that's a special know. relationship. So I love yeah. that you're doing that and investing in them. That's so so important for our kids. You see how it came full circle. You said you liked being there for those kids and helping them through things, and now you're turning that into a profession. Something that's always been in you that you didn't recognize what that is that you wanted to do is now come to fruition. Mm -hmm. So when you said that, you know, I just want to be there with them and, and help them through that because that's where I was. That's that counselor Mm -hmm. gift that's been in you from the beginning that has always been there. And now you're going to make a profession out of that and help all kinds of people and operate in a gift that you love to do. And I just, I love that so much and I'm so happy for you. Yay. I'm excited. Excited to see where the next, after the next couple of years, where that leads you. Well, you know the drill. (laughs) We don't let you out of here until you tell us something new you're loving. 
What is something new I'm loving? You can't say you weren't prepared for this question. <laughs> like some other oh, I thought about it. Well, well, before we started recording, y'all were talking about y'all's bags, which you love or hate accordingly. <laughs> well, I didn't tell you all how much. You said what? <laughs> I, I, I didn't tell you how much I love my new bag, which is my grown lady grad school backpack. As I was I call just it. looking at that so when we cute. after we started, I it caught my attention yeah. and it's kind of dark. I kind of can't see it so, really great, but is it brown? It is. But it's like yes, a backpack brown purse. leather backpack. Yeah. And I just wanted something that made me feel like a grown lady. Is it lady. like a crushed leather? What is it? I can't nah, say there's a glare. Maybe. I can't see on it. It's kind of dark. But I kind of want it because it's like a cognac color. I really like it. That's well, it's very like two-toned yeah. browns. Okay. And, and it's just, it's trendy. I've gotten tons of compliments on it since I got it. It's from Amazon for like $30. <gasps> Stop. Yeah. Seriously? So I just really like my grown lady backpack because I have a North Face, which I use at Southern Miss, but that's a, that's a young 20s backpack. <laughs> I'm a late 20s now. So. You're way more sophisticated. <laughs> yeah. I am, I you can't been, be walking around the same backpack as high schoolers. No, like, no. I've been like a girl boss since college. Right. Like, I need like girl boss kind of backpack. Exactly. So, okay. so I am loving my new So backpack. will you give us the link so we can put it in the show notes? I will. So people can see <laughs> your bag. But it's pretty cute and it holds all of my my laptop and my binder and my <laughs> books. So, well. Uh, I use it a lot, <laughs> a lot these days. It's the first week of a new semester, so it's crazy town, like mountain of homework and stuff. Okay. So it comes in handy. <laughs> well, we appreciate you taking the time to let us get to know you a little bit. I know it's a little bit of a crazy time for it to be your turn to be up, to let yeah, us into your life. But I really appreciate you taking the time to let us in a little bit to just all the ways that God's taken you from one thing to another to another. And like Tracy said, it's really neat to see how it all just kind of has been woven yeah. together. Because, I mean, it just goes to say, you don't have to have your life figured out by college. Right. Or by your mid-40s. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. Do we ever have it figured out? Because in my experience, and when I think I have it figured out, like, we do a sharp left turn, right turn, I turn know. around. like. I think it's I told y'all before, like the quote that's popular these days, like bloom where you're planted gets on my nerves. And I guess I haven't really heard a message behind that quote. But when I hear that quote, bloom where you're planted, I'm like, you mean I have to stay here forever? <laughs> <laughs> and that's just not how my life has gone. So Some people so. are planted in pots, though, and pots are mobile. Uh-huh. That's the way I like to look at it. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice twist on it. <laughs> so it's okay to like change your mind and try new things yes. and such. So that's <laughs> my message, I suppose. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for sharing with us. Thanks for joining us for the 517 Live Podcast. We enjoy getting to hear more about Carrie and her journey into grad school to become a counselor. As we mentioned earlier in the episode, each of us has experienced God's healing through counseling in our own lives. If you're looking for resources or need encouragement to pursue counseling, let us know. We are here for you. Find us on Instagram at 517lifepodcast. We'd also like to ask you to take two minutes and rate this podcast on iTunes. Of course, we'd love for you to give us five stars and leave a review letting people know why you enjoy the show. We've got some great stories and guests lined up for the coming week, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a minute of life.